before we start this episode, we want to make a small announcement. We are now proud Amazon affiliates. Any and all links to products that we mention on this show can now be purchased through our affiliate link on Amazon. This helps support us and helps support the content that you enjoy. Thank you very much and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Coles on the Coast, the podcast where we talk about sustainability, preparedness, and living the small homestead life. I'm Charlie. And I'm Jessica. And tonight, this is uh, First Aid Kits Part 2, the top 10 items to have in every first aid kit. And no, we're not going to talk about trauma items in this. Although some of those, they, they could probably be in a top 10 list of a sort. But these are everyday sort of items that'll be beneficial in a small kit, a big kit, your medicine cabinet, whatever you've got. These are the best things that you could have in there. And they're not in any particular order because they're all good. And it would have taken me three or four days to just figure out the first five, exactly what order I wanted them to be in. So first on the list, we've got waterproof bandages and specifically next care bandages not the dollar tree bandages no not even band-aid brand waterproof bandages and here's why the next care bandages have a nice flexible border that's based on their tegaderm type material these things and especially the max hold version of them you can put them on and they'll stay on your skin for three four seven days depending on whether you get the regular or the, the max hold and they're fantastic and if you've got like a spot like let's say you got a mole right and you you graze it when you're either shaving your face or you scratch it out in the yard with you know you're digging through briars and you scratch Mm -hmm. a mole in the yard and the thing's just bleeding and it won't stop yeah if you can get it to stop quick enough or good enough to put one of those bandages on it Mm -hmm. it'll hold in all of the fluid oh wow so it's much better than a regular band-aid because it's not permeable it doesn't come out and it stays there and it's good you know our oldest daughter will actually ask me if it's the waterproof bandages or the better waterproof bandage. And if I say the better one, she doesn't want to put it on because it's going to stay on her for a couple weeks and hurt when I go to take it off. Yep, but that's the testament to how good they were. All right, um, number two, bacitracin. So I could have said triple antibiotic ointment or antibiotic ointment, but I didn't. And here's the reason why. In a large percentage of people, neomycin, which is the the third antibiotic and triple antibiotic ointment, because there's like there's bacitracin zinc, then uh, polymycin B sulfate, and then there's neomycin. The neomycin is an allergen in a large portion of the population, and a lot of people use neosporin or triple antibiotic ointment not realizing that it will cause a reaction and not realizing that you're not supposed to use it more than three days or the account the, the chance of a reaction occurring increases exponentially oh wow i didn't realize that dermatologists will tell you to use like polysporin or bacitracin just because it's not as what is it called um highly likely to have a reaction yeah there, there's a specific term that you use for like dermatological reactions three is sunscreen now this can be any type of sunscreen that you want whether it be mineral or chemical that's dependent on your own preference but if you've got some in a first aid kit that's in the cart like you have a smaller bottle or a few little small packages of it it comes in handy especially in a pocket or travel first aid kit when you've happened to forget your sunscreen at home. Okay. And you're on the beach and you've got the first aid kit in the car and you've got some sunscreen in there. At least you can have a little bit of time on the beach before you have to go try to figure something out. 
Yeah. Or you're on a hike and you're you get to a clearing and now you're like walking in the sun for a mile and you want to make sure that you're not burning up. It's just good to have. Maybe pair that with some aloe too. Have a sunscreen and have some aloe and then you've got your yeah sunscreen and, and sunburn remedy all in one. Yeah. In case like work calls you to have to go outside and work for a while for yeah. some reason and you weren't expecting to. Number four is sting relief pads. Now, you could, yes, you could choose to buy something that's not a sting relief pad, but you're not going to find, unless you go like aloe cane, which would fit the both the, the aloe for sun damage and sting relief because it's got lidocaine in it. But you, you need something that has an anesthetic in it that can actually help relieve the pain of a bug bite rather than just be a counter irritant blue star ointment or carmex or stuff like that anything that's got camphor in it it's not really a pain reliever it's more of a counter irritant so it kind of cools the area off and then gets you thinking about the menthol feel rather than on the sting feel like a sting relief pad like a safe tech brand sting relief pad it's got some menthol in it so you get a little bit of counter irritation but it's also got lidocaine in it and lidocaine is a anesthetic that they use in surgery and they'll actually squirt it under the skin in order to numb the area so that they can do small surgical procedures on the skin lidocaine is better than like so you may have seen sting kill mm-hmm. in uh, walmart or something like that that's made with benzocaine which is the same stuff that's in orogel and benzocaine is good for mucous membranes that's the reason why it's in orogel okay it absorbs real quick into mucous membranes but on the skin not so much Okay. It takes a while. Lidocaine, however, absorbs very well into the skin. So if you have a sting relief white pad, like SafeTech brand, with lidocaine, you put that on the skin and it numbs it and it cools it and it disinfects it. So you get a big old wasp sting on your arm. You just throw one of them pads on there and then stick a little piece of gauze on top. Just leave it. Or right. stick a band-aid on top of that and just leave it. And it'll it'll help it. Okay. There's another product called like it's called Mitigator, which is a it's got it's, it's a scrub. It's got uh, papaya enzyme and then these scrubbing beads. And basically, you scrub the skin for two minutes with it, and then you wash it off. And the papaya enzyme helps to break the toxin up that's in the skin and then helps to relieve it that way, which is better. So there, there's different ways to go about it. But having something to help relieve that sting, whether it be bees, well, not bees. Wasp. Bees are kind of different, but yeah. Hornets. Wasps, like hornets. Mosquitoes. Fire ants. Yeah. mosquitoes um, maybe even jellyfish uh, i think the mitigator is supposed to be good for jellyfish stings as well you've mentioned three different types of sting relief pads then the mitigator and sting relief stuff yeah okay all right so number five is a derma safe razor knife now this is really good for just the utility of having a small blade in a first aid kit and a sharp blade at that because when you're cutting like gauze tape or you're cutting little gauze pads back down to size to fit sometimes it's hard to use those cheap little scissors that you get in your first aid kit Mm -hmm. and then you know just depending on everything that's going sometimes it's just easier to have a nice sharp blade to just trim something off like if you've got a piece of duct tape right Mm -hmm. and like a bigger band-aid and you're trying to thin that thing down so it's not as wide you just take that the dermasafe knife and that band-aid in its package and you just slide it down the sides and then you just peel that off and go with it. Okay. It's that short. Yep. This is just a very tiny knife, right? Yeah, it's only about two and inches. It folds out. Yeah, but you gotta be careful with it because it is sharp beyond all imagination. It will cut you without you knowing it. Okay. So right. we might need to be careful where we keep this kit. Yep. 
And then liquid skin is number six. And liquid skin is like super glue. And it you they intend it to be used on like exterior cuts. So like if you've got cracked fingers from cold weather or you've got a cut like on your knuckle or in you know a, a flexible area that's hard to put a band-aid on, this liquid skin will go and basically glue your skin together to keep you from bleeding in that spot. But you can use it in larger lacerations if you have no other option, right? So if your, your kid falls and cuts his head in church, it's not enough to take him to the emergency room, but he's bleeding because it's on his scalp. You can take and put a little bit in that wound mm-hmm. and then squeeze it and hold it for 30 seconds and let that glue do its job, and it'll seal it off. Yep, we know that for a fact. But it, when you do that, because you're, the, you're not stitching the open skin back together so the skin doesn't have the ability to like heal together the way it should you end up with a lot of scar damage so i mean you don't want to do it on a big giant gaping wound in your hand because i've seen a guy that did that and he's got a nice scar right there in his hand Mm. where he did it it saved the day though because he was bleeding and he couldn't get it to stop he would have had to go to the hospital had he not had that number seven is electrolytes this can be any sort of electrolyte mix or electrolyte tablets just depends on what you want redmond real salt they make a they make one called Relight, and it's got a good balance of magnesium, potassium, and sodium. There's uh, the little electrolyte tablets that you can get for the Medic, the MediFirst brand or Medic brand. What else? There, I mean, there's all sorts of different stuff. Liquid IV, you know, maybe opt for one that doesn't have a whole lot of sugar because the sugar is not super fantastic for you. And then maybe get one that's not got dipotassium phosphate in it. Yeah, we because... were looking into that recently. <laughs> That can cause some side effects, mainly because the amount of phosphate that's in it, and mainly because people who are taking these supplements also eat fast food and whatnot, so you're getting a lot of phosphate in your diet. Yeah. Um, It can cause kind of like irritable bowel and headaches and stuff like that. And then, like, if if you don't want to do any of that, you could just get Redmond Real Salt, and then you mix like a quarter teaspoon of that in the 16 ounces of water, and that's a good electrolyte mix for you Mm because it's naturally got other minerals in it other than just the sodium chloride so i mean you can do it any ways but it's very important to have that because especially if you're outside working in hard you know hot heat hot weather conditions especially humid you can get overheated real quick not even realize it yeah so if you've got your um electrolyte mix you you feel like you're sweating too much, you take a break, go inside, mix you up a glass of water with some electrolytes in it, or take you a couple of electrolyte pills and chill out for 20 minutes, and you'll feel a lot better. Yeah. Like, Or you could even keep from feeling that way if you do it beforehand or early on in the work day. Yeah, that too. Because it'll help your, your water go further. Because, yeah. I mean, just drinking water is not enough. No, and... It can be dangerous, especially if you're, like, super hot and you're drinking, you know, a gallon or two of water a day. You want to make sure that you're not just drinking straight water because all those electrolytes get flushed out and you start having headaches and you start feeling bad toward the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It's not good for productivity. Um, number eight is Calmoceptine, which is a it's a barrier ointment. And it was originally a diaper cream that was... It was found to be good for people that have colostomy bags or that have uh, different wounds around the rear end and whatnot. 
good for incontinence patients. So like older people that are using like the the the, the, mm-hmm. the pens, diapers, and whatnot, you can use the clomiphene and it will help. Yeah. It's also good for bug bites and it's got a nice cooling effect. So, I mean, it, it's a good multi-purpose everything. Yeah. That has to do with your bottom, and that's better than like preparation H, which of course you can use it for what it's intended to be used for, but you can't use it for anything else. So, I mean, it's good. The next one is an ammonia inhalant. Now, this one could be debatable because it, depending on who you ask, ammonia inhalants aren't super good for fainting or whatnot. Um, I mean, the, the CARES Act in 2020 actually shut down the production of little ampules. But apparently it didn't shut down the, the production of the wipes. I don't, I'm not sure how that worked, but... I think it's because there's two different manufacturers. One manufacturer put in the information and got it approved, and the other manufacturer didn't. And so that one went away. That's your thought on it. Yeah, that's my thought. But anyway, what the ammonia inhalant does, is because it's such a like a strong odor, it basically burns your nasal passages and makes you breathe in real deep so that you can wake up. It basically makes you freak out and wake up. And it's good for when somebody faints. And you wave it under their nose and they go, Oh my gosh, what was that? Right? <laughs> or when you you start getting drowsy in the car and you're driving home and you're like, I can't wake up. I'm trying to wake myself up. You know, you pop yourself on the face and you can't wake up. You use one of those things and go, Oh! don't. I wouldn't do it while you're driving, though. I'd like pull over and try to <laughs> wake yourself up. Have you used one of these before? No. Oh, okay. Mm-mm. I haven't had a reason to yet. All right. But if you've ever used Windex and you open it up and you smell okay, it, yeah, Windex, yeah. Go, oh, what? and you try to get away from it, it's mm-hmm. the same thing. Okay. Right? It's that strong ammonia smell. Um, now, number 10 is over-the-counter medications. And uh, in our previous episode on first aid kits, we talked about the importance of knowing your, your over-the-counter medications and knowing how to use them and what they do. But here's kind of a, a, a basic on kind of the most important stuff to have in there. You need some pain medicine, first off. And you need aspirin, ibuprofen, and Tylenol, or Advil and Tylenol. The aspirin is there because it's a pain reliever. It's a fever reducer. Um, if you've got kidney issues, you can take aspirin. If you've got liver issues, you can take aspirin. Right? It's good because it's it's the older of the two. It's not damaging to most internal organs. It may cause brain bleeds um, just because of the blood thinning properties. But it's also good for an emergency heart attack medication. Yeah. So if somebody's having a heart attack, you give them a couple aspirin and let them chew them while you're calling the emergency room or getting in the vehicle to take them to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, ibuprofen and Tylenol, we're all used to these. Ibuprofen is an NSAID like aspirin, so it can it can burn your stomach, it can hurt your kidneys because of the way that it's processed through your body. So you always want to make sure that you're drinking a lot of water with this stuff too, especially yeah. like aspirin. You make sure you're drinking a lot of water with it, and you want to make sure that you're um, you, you're being cognizant of how much of this you're taking. Just because your doctor prescribes you an 800 milligram prescription of ibuprofen and tells you to take it four times a day, doesn't mean that you should get you know six. Advil and take them and try to match that same prescription. It de- Your doctor prescribed you that for a specific reason. You're not supposed to take that all the time. And then Tylenol, it's bad for the liver. 
right? Yep. It's processed through the liver. Um, so don't take more than four grams of it a day. So that's only eight extra strength capsules or tablets. Um, it doesn't work the same that ibuprofen does because it's not an NSAID. So it works on the central nervous system to kind of dull pain that may be coming from misfiring nerves rather than um, inflammation. Yeah. So it's a different type of setup. And if you've had too much to drink, right, mm -hmm. do not take Tylenol to kill the pain. Because what it'll do, the liver will prioritize that Tylenol and quit taking care of the alcohol and the, the, the toxins that it has caused. And it will prioritize and metabolize the Tylenol first. Oh, man. So you'll be hurting for longer taking Tylenol. Oh, I see. Okay. So not That's only does it do double damage to your liver, it also causes your body to not process the ethanol. Oh, man. All right. It's probably also important just to mention the fact that you can't give children aspirin. And depending on their age groups, you may not be able to give them Tylenol or ibuprofen. So you need to know who the person is you're giving the medication to. Yes. Um, and pregnant women are not supposed to take All right. So ibuprofen. Pregnant women don't take aspirin or ibuprofen. Yeah. Small babies do not take aspirin or ibuprofen. Children under 18 do not take aspirin because you have risk of rise syndrome with aspirin. The ibuprofen can cause uh, was it, is it kidney damage in the babies. And then there are some study with ibuprofen in pregnant women and it didn't fare well with the development of the child or something like that. They called, caused uh, like congenital renal failure in children so they, their kidneys are bad when they're born or something. Mm. Um, but yeah, you got to keep all that in mind when you're doing this, make sure that you're paying attention to the labels on your products that you're using, um, medicines indicated for children. Although, you know, you've heard of a pink tax for like women with the pink razors yes. and whatnot and how that's more expensive. Yes. If you ever pay attention to the dosages on these medicines, adult Tylenol is usually less expensive than the children's Tylenol. Okay. Price per dose. Mm-hmm. So, if there's an adult liquid version that's the same concentration as the original, like the kids, mm-hmm, you can, or like, all right, so they have infant Tylenol and kids Tylenol. Yeah. They're the same. Yeah. Kids Tylenol is a dollar less than the baby Tylenol. Yeah, the infant is a lot more expensive. The Motrin or the ibuprofen isn't the same. There's different concentrations. So... If you can pay attention and you're, you're good at that, then that's something to look at. If not, just go with the thing that you know that you can deal with. Right. Um, and then Tylenol and ibuprofen can be used together, and especially like if you get um, Advil dual, dual action, which is Advil and acetaminophen, or get Motrin dual action, which is Motrin with Tylenol. Okay. And... It is supposedly as good as a um, opioid, an opiate for like mouth pain and whatnot, mm -hmm. and it's non-addictive, so that's always good. So second category is stomach. You want Pepto-Bismol and you want Imodium. Imodium is good for most people to take. Pregnant women can take it, and basically it stops diarrhea in its tracks. 
So if you've got, you know, you're losing water, you're afraid of dehydration, take you an Imodium, and it'll it'll keep you from dehydrating and keep you from going to the hospital in most cases. Um, but it's only good for that. The Pepto-Bismol, on the other hand, is good for nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea, right? <laughs> everybody knows the... Everybody's singing the song. Everybody knows the commercials. Um, but you can't give it to kids because it's an aspirin derivative. And But the thing is, is that if you're going on a trip to a country where you know that there might be some food contamination yeah. or some water contamination and you're kind of worried about that, you can take it as a prophylactic if you think you've been exposed to something that could cause a sickness. Because it ends up that it's got some sort of antimicrobial effect to it. And it may be... The, the scientists don't know why, but mm-hmm. it, it you eat it, you take it, and it kind of kills bacteria in your gut. Okay, that's interesting. Or in your stomach. It may be good for prophylactic uses if you think you've been exposed to something that could be causing food poisoning. Now, there is another that I've got written here. It's not really stomach it, it kind of borders the line on stomach and allergy because it's Dramamine or um, Bonine or Mescaline Hydrochloride, whatever it is. Go with the... It, it, for drowsy... Or no, for dizziness, for nausea, right? Basically, it's an antihistamine that tricks your brain into forgetting what direction it was going in so it doesn't... So you're not getting sick anymore. Because mm-hmm. when you get nauseous, it's because your inner ear gets confused as to what direction it was going because either you were spinning around and when you stop, all that fluid in your ear keeps going. And so you're like, it doesn't know what you're doing. It makes you ill. It kind of just, it decouples your brain from that inner ear so that you're not sick anymore. Right. But the Dramamine, regular strength Dramamine, can make you drowsy, beyond drowsy. And that's because it's like, it's an antihistamine, kind of like Benadryl. Okay. Dramamine, it's like diphenhydramine. It's mm-hmm. in that same class of medication. And it, it can knock you out. Yeah, I know it the, knocks me out like crazy. The other one, the mescaline hydrochloride, it's, it's less sedating. It's still kind of sedating. But it's like comparing a Zyrtec to Benadryl. Okay. One will knock you out. One will make you drowsy, but you can kind of deal with it. Um, do they work super good for everybody? No, not always. Do they still kind of make you sick at times? Yes, because I know I, I've had problems with, like Dramamine, and not really helping a whole lot. But I get real, real sick when I get dizzy. But that's always another good one to have because you never know when that'll come up and. A small bottle of a hundred tablets. I guess just having that doesn't cost a whole lot, but golly, you'll never use them all. Yeah, I guess just having that in your car, if you don't think about it when you're going to like a theme park or something, and then you think, oh wait a second, Mm -hmm. and you can at least grab it out of your car on your way into the park or whatnot. Or if you're going on a trip and your kid says, I don't feel good, I'm starting to. You At know, that point, usually it's too late. Or, or you end up, <laughs> you end up in the back seat because your kid wants you to sit with them, and you start feeling sick. Yeah. You take one of those, you pass out, and you're good. <laughs> um, and then the last one is allergy, right? You, so I, what I've got here, and the way I do it is, I need both a heavily sedating, like Benadryl, and then I need a less sedating, like Claritin, 
and you can pick whichever one you want, whether it's Claritin or Zyrtec or Allegra. But there's a reason why I go with what this is. Benadryl is dangerous for kids under two because it, it can just flat out kill them. Um, it's sedating, so you can use it for a sleep aid. You can, it, it's like anti-spasmodic, so you can use it along with Tylenol and help with mus muscular pains. But for a general everyday allergy medicine, it's not that great because it is so sedating. So that's why I use Claritin. One, Claritin is not that dangerous to kids. I mean, of course, it's a drug. It is dangerous in many respects. But Claritin is one of the most prescribed um, medications for children. Yes. And if you happen to find the medication bottle open and your child chewing on Claritin and you call poison control, they ask how many they've had. And if you don't know, they may or may not tell you, well, as long as they're not like sleepy, sleepy or having trouble peeing, you're probably fine. Because that's Cause the thing is it takes. And she told me it was a huge number of pills. The, the thing is, is Claritin is non-sedating. So until you get to that amount, you're basically relatively safe. Yes, it's going to cause some sort of incontinence issues or it's going to make you where you can't pee or whatnot because that's how antihistamines work. It could also cause other issues. But for the most part, it's not as dangerous. Is it as strong like in its antihistamine type effects? No, but it'll get you through what you need to get through and you'll be able to function throughout the whole scenario. Although it's not a bad thing to take Benadryl if you were at someone's house and having some well, sort of unknown allergy thing. Yeah, like if, you, if you're if you allergic <laughs> to cats, you go in somebody's house, you don't realize they've got cats, and all of a sudden you start sneezing. Benadryl's good to take because, one, it makes you sleepy, and so you can just kind of like relax rest. out yeah. of the thing. And then it also, because it's as strong as it is, it'll help knock some of that out. See, that's the thing, though. There's newer ones like Allegra is along the lines of being a good medicine-like Benadryl and non-sedating like Claritin. So there, mm -hmm. the the more we advance in these technologies, the better we get at one that kind of fits both. Um, but one thing to keep in mind with the, the Benadryl is that, well, I already said that. But do not take... Oh, no, I didn't. Do not take Benadryl for life-threatening allergy attacks. It is not a quick-acting product, and it's not approved for life-threatening allergy attacks. That's one of the things from the old days where you would take Benadryl if for some reason you had an anaphylactic shock just to buy you some time. Don't do that. If you know that you've got anaphylactic issues, make sure that you've got the appropriate um, medications like an EpiPen, right? Mm -hmm. If it's that dangerous, you'll already have that product right. prescribed to you. So do not rely on Benadryl to save your life. And then do not take more than one antihistamine at a time. That's when you run into real big issues. Some doctors will tell you that you can double up, which you can to some degree, like if you want to take one in the morning and one at night. But stay in the same drug. Don't swap back and forth between Zyrtec and Claritin. That's just not. It's not a good idea. You can cause yourself to have problems with pee. 
Yep. And that's not good for your body. So a couple of honorable mentions. Nitrile gloves. It's always good to have gloves, especially if you're working on somebody and you don't want to get blood contamination, right? You don't want to get bodily fluids on you and risk an infection on you. The whole idea of having to use nitrile gloves, I think, is kind of ridiculous because most of the time they're not sterile, so you're not preventing infection when you're working on a patient. Mm -hmm. It's mainly just a protection from you. So if it's your kid and he's got a splinter and you're trying to get it out with, and you don't have gloves, don't, like, panic because you can put some antibiotic, antibiotic ointment on it, you can wash it out, you can clean it up, you can take care of it. But it's somebody that you don't know, and you you want to protect yourself, right? Right. Um, insect repellent's also a good one. Um, they make insect repellent wipes that you can have in a smaller kit, or you can just have some insect repellent in the house. Because, and I don't remember who it was, it was Dr. Dre that said this, that it's better to smell like DEET than it is to catch a mosquito-borne illness. So, or Lyme disease. Or Lyme disease, too, like, yeah. That's more prevalent than you'd think, and it's hardly ever gal. caught. There's is that, all sorts is that of, the southern one? Well, Lyme, I mean, there's like some. it depends on what type of tick it is. Lone Star ticks can give you alpha-gal, which is where you become allergic to meat. Okay. Um, the, what is it, the standard deer tick or whatever is the one that gives you Lyme disease. But, yeah, it's... You can protect yourself better with insect repellent than you can with nothing. Right. Right. And you don't want to have to deal with... Yes, a mosquito bite is annoying, is annoying, but when you're in the Everglades on a trip and you get stung, you get bit by a mosquito and catch dengue fever, well, then you're in the bed sick for three weeks. Yeah. And there may be more natural products that you can use, but you need to do your research and make sure you have that on hand if that's the case. And it may be harder to keep that, like, in your car or whatnot than it would yeah, be, like, a wipe or a can of beet. Yep. And then, um, last one is ballastol, because why not? You know, ballastol, we talked about it before, it's good. It's got antifungal properties, antibacterial properties. It's a mild anesthetic. You can kill ants with it. You can kill ants with it. <laughs> I mean, it it serves so many purposes. No, Is it approved for any of this? No, but it does it work? Yeah, it works relatively well. So, I mean, it's always good. If for some reason you have a can of ballastol in your car and you get stung by a wasp, you can apply that to that wasp thing and it can help calm that thing down so that you're not hurting as bad while you're trying to finish up your job that you're doing. Right. Speaking from experience, when I got stung twice in the same day, one on the chest and one on the chin, <laughs> that ballastol came in handy. And then you spray it on the wasps and kill them. There you go. That's just, that, that's a, a top 10 that's really more like a top 28. <laughs> and of course, you know your body, you know what your personal health issues are. So if you were to have a prescription or something like that, you may need to put that in your first aid kit or have a way to be able to get that easily if you were in a situation where you needed something especially like an EpiPen like we said if you have a severe allergy that would definitely be something you want to have or if you're diabetic you might need you know insulin with you or whatnot so you would know that though and you would cater your first aid kit to yourself but this is just some items that we have found 
very helpful in our car. Or in the house. Or in the house. Or anywhere that we're going to be. Yeah. Close by. Within a couple moments of being from us. And also, I kind of mentioned it before, but you might want to be careful how you store this. If you're going to put it in your diaper bag, maybe put it in a zipper pocket that the kids can't necessarily find very easily and try not to just let them have free reign of it, especially if you are keeping that Dermasafe knife and things such as the Benadryl and other over-the-counter medicines that your children don't need to get into. Or if you have, um, you, you may have another family member that just, you know, can't, don't, doesn't understand how to, what safety is for themselves and you just have to protect them. So if you liked what we were talking about with the different items for your first aid kits, you can actually pre-order a pocket first aid kit. I've got several different tiers. One's $15, one's $50, one's like $75, and one's $150. may even do like a $200 one with some trauma stuff. But you can pre-order on the website. I'll list them all on buymeacoffee.com. You can go in there and pre-order them. And then um, once we get enough want and you know enough people that are ordering them we'll get them produced and get them shipped out um it's not really anything worth doing a, a buy me a, or a kickstarter or anything for but still we'll try to make these available as, as quick and possible as we can so you can have quality products in your first aid kit yep if you like what we do and you want to support us you can visit us at colesonthecoast.com and buy us a coffee. You can buy one, two, three, or however many you would like. And also click on the Buy Me a Coffee link at our website and go and visit and see what goals we're trying to accomplish and contribute to those goals directly. Um, right now, we've still got the goal for the new um, computer setup and the air conditioner. I don't think that's actually a goal yet, but... Might, it's not on there. We might put that on there eventually. <laughs> you can also call Jessica or send a contact an contact email at colesonthecoast.com and schedule violin or piano or cello or um, viola? viola lessons. And she's got some openings still, I think. In Foley. In Foley, if you want to drive all the way down here to Foley and or do it virtually. She's willing to do that, too. And if you need small engine repair, you can call Charlie's Small Engines or also contact us on our website at colesonthecoast.com forward slash charlies dash small dash engines. And we are a mobile small engine repair business. We'll come to you or you can bring it to us and drop it off. It's up to you. But we'll get you fixed up and get you running well, especially during hurricane season when you need generators and they need to be working before the Chainsaws hurricane. and stuff like that. Yeah. It's kind of hard to get to you and crank a generator up when I can't leave my house. <laughs> but, I mean, as long as I can leave my house and get across. There's a lot of folks that live close by to me. I live next to, like, several subdivisions. So, if you can get in contact with me, I'll gladly come to your house if I can get there and fix your generator on the spot. There you go. So, but anyway... Um, that was this episode. Next episode, we'll probably talk about something similar. Anyway, y'all have a good week. <laughs>